Well, ha- happy Thanksgiving week to you all. And uh, that's, uh, I think that's a wonderful holiday. I'm not sure when it all came about, but um, know some of our holidays are really only maybe 100 years, 150 years old. Um, I think I think the Thanksgiving holiday falls in that criteria. There somewhere, but but um, anyway, happy Thanksgiving. It's always good to be thankful, and in fact, we're commanded to be thankful, aren't we? There's only a few places in the New Testament that says this is the will of God, and uh, there's two of them in First Thessalonians. One is that that we're uh, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, right? You're probably familiar with that. But the other is that that we are to be thankful always for all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So when you think about the few times where it just makes a statement, this is the will of God, and it says that we're to be thankful for all things, then we ought to be thankful for all things, amen? (laughs) And we should be. All things work together for good. They don't always feel good, look good, reason out very good to us, but they work together for good because God is conforming us into the image of his Son. And so we can be thankful in everything. And that's part of the formula for having the peace of God as well, right? And we're to uh, take everything to God in prayer with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So it's a good thing to be thankful. Uh, I, believe, I, believe it's a, uh, I believe it's something we might call a character trait as well. And it's just good character. It uh, shows good character when people are thankful for the blessings that they receive. And uh, and we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Uh, I think, uh, you know, we in America, we've lived in a bubble now for, you know, many, many years, um, a couple centuries. Um, religious freedom and the freedoms that we have under our Bill of Rights and Constitution. Uh, most people in the world do not enjoy those freedoms. And uh, certainly back when our Constitution was written, most of the world did not. Uh, most of the world was still under dictatorships and so on. Um, but we're, we're blessed. We, we are blessed in a land of plenty. And uh, most of us probably have not gone hungry for a while. I don't know if anyone gone hungry for a while. Probably not. And um, we're, we're just so blessed. Roof over our head and heat. This time, heat's very precious, isn't it? This time of year, especially. And um, we have so much we take we take for granted so much because we've just gotten so used to it. You know, that's just life to us. And uh, but we need to remember to be thankful. So I'm glad they set apart the day um, to be thankful this week. Uh, to be thankful and at least to observe it, hopefully, uh, and celebrate it together with families or whoever that we're. Uh, together with during this season. I'm going to take a quick drink. Um, Okay. I want to turn your attention to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to do a message that I normally, I normally don't do this. But um, knowing all the types and pictures in the Old Testament, and there are many, and I'll allude to them here in a moment, but I've looked at Genesis 1 for years and I think, you know, there ought to be some, even though it's a narrative, 
of creation, and, and by the way, an exact, and I, I want to emphasize that, an exact narrative of creation. I believe that there were seven literal days, and of course in the six days God did creating, and on the seventh God did rest. And I believe that the morning and evening of the first day, second day, and so on, show us that they were literal days. Um, I personally believe it was about 6,000 years ago, but if you don't agree with that, um, but please don't go into millions of years. Please don't do that, okay? <laughs> um, but um, I personally believe it's about 6,000 years ago. But, but um, anyway, and just as God said, and uh, God spoke and it appeared. God said, let there be, and there was. I mean, just that simple. And... Um, um, we we quoted um, we quoted uh, Hebrews eleven three in the in the Sunday school hour. I'll probably refer to it again. But by faith, you know, we believe we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, and the the word word the Greek word is rhema. And it has to do with the spoken word, and we know there's another word translated word in the Bible, Logos, and Jesus is the Logos, or the Word of God, the revelation, the expression of Almighty God. But Rhema has to do with the spoken word. That's what comes out of the mouth. And and so that's the word used here. Um, they're framed by the word, the spoken word of God. And God said, let there be, and there was. Just that simple. And then it says, uh, and the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So they were made from nothing. Um, it was, God wasn't an organizer of existing materials. And he didn't have a work party, <laughs> a big work party, uh, to, to make up this earth. God just, in the beginning, said, let there be light. And in the beginning, let there be, and of course we know that this sphere that we live on uh, was also created on that same day and uh, uh, incomplete yet as far as the development of it but um, but it just appeared as God said so I want to make that very clear before I start because I'm, what I'm going to do I'm going to take some analogies and I thought you know I when we look at Adam being clothed with skins, Adam and Eve, that's that's a type of salvation, God provision of salvation. And it teaches us that, that a covering for shame and guilt comes through the sacrifice of an innocent animal or, of course, looking forward to the innocent Son of God. Uh, we know it, it was a it was a provision that God was pleased with. He was not pleased with the with the fig fig leaf aprons, but he made them coats of skins which means that God had to slay animals, or how many animals, we don't know, but to give them coats of skins. And innocent blood had to be shed to provide a covering for them. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar? And our Lord Jesus went to the cross and shed his innocent blood and gave his life to give us a covering. And actually, in our case, remission or removal of sin. And... Um, and there's so there's so many types. I'm getting ahead of myself, but but uh, you know Cain and Abel. You know we think Cain bringing a bringing a sacrifice, at least what he called a sacrifice, of uh, the fruits and vegetables and whatever that were products of his farming. And I think it was probably a beautiful sacrifice. Uh, you've seen place of hors d'oeuvres, you know, with all the meats rolled up and all the cheeses laid out like a you know a deck of cards or something, you know. 
And, uh, you know, I'm sure it was beautiful, but God rejected that because that was the work of Cain's hands. And Abel brought a bloody lamb as a sacrifice. Not so beautiful, but it was the prescribed sacrifice. And it pictured what would be necessary to, for our, our having the forgiveness of sins. Uh, there's so many. Abraham offering Isaac, his son, another type. And all of these are, are narr- they're, they're exact narratives of what actually happened. They are, they are factual narratives of what actually did happen. And the ark, there's all kinds of them. Uh, the, the ark of Noah, man, there, there must be a hundred different types in the ark of Noah. And same with the tabernacle, you know, with the, 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 the furniture of brass where the judgment took place. And then inside, everything's covered with gold, speaking of royalty and the things of God. And, and uh, you know, the table of showbread, uh, Christ, the bread of life and the, the, the candlestick, you know, Jesus is the light of the world, and and the altar of incense, Jesus making intercession for us according to the will of God. Well, that's that's the Holy Spirit, but Jesus making intercession for us. Um, what's that? Hebrews seven twenty five. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. And you go behind the curtain that represented the flesh, and of course, which was broken and ripped uh, when Jesus died on the cross, and. And uh, into the altar there, and and uh, uh, just so many. And uh, uh, Ruth and Boaz, that's a, that's a type of the kinsman redeemer. And um, David's kindness to Mephibosheth is a type of David's kindness to Jonathan. Um, let me see, David's kindness to um, Mephibosheth for Jonathan's sake. And uh, we're we're like the Mephibosheth, you know. We are. Wounded and injured from birth, and uh, but for the sons, Jonathan's sake, David spared him. And I, I, there are just so many. Uh, by the way, uh, this won't be part of the message, but it really shows us that we have the Word of God. You know, they did not understand those things. I don't believe way back then. I don't. I don't believe the average person would have pictured. Well, they didn't know of Christ much yet. I mean, it just a. Uh, they they had a they had an idea of one who had come and bruised a serpent's head and so on, but oh, as far as all the details, I don't think they understood all those things yet. But but uh, nevertheless, God wrote it in there. In this case, uh, um, Genesis a thousand years, uh, four thousand years before the event took place, and um, so it's really the word. Um, just another evidence that we have the word of God. And we have narrative after narrative that is completely accurate and completely literal, but but yet there is kind of written in there a scene of the future or some doctrinal truth, um, something that Christ did for us, the doctrine of salvation, of substitution. Uh, there are just so many. There are just so much. And uh, so when we hold this book in our hands and say, well, you know, something... Only God could do that. Only God. Only God could do that. We have God's book. There's not, a, there's not a book like it anywhere on the earth. And by the way, there never will be either. Uh, no book is like this book. There are other religious books, but none of them are like this book. And uh, so, anyway, well, let me get started here so we're not here till 6 o'clock tonight. Amen? And, uh, all right. Because we could talk on that one for a long, long time. Well, let's pray, okay? We'll pray, and then we'll get started. Father, we 
We ask now, Lord, that we might um, bring honor and glory to you through the message. And Lord, even though we're, we are going to take some um, application um, from the very literal narrative of creation, we, we pray that it might be easily understood and applied. And our Lord, um, we just ask and pray that, that uh, you would have your way in each life, that you'd speak to each and every heart. And, and Lord, as we go through these uh, different aspects here of creation, we pray that, again, you, you would enrich in our lives from it. And Lord, would you build our faith and would you help us again to understand afresh and anew how precious this word is to us and uh, how much it means to us uh, because, Lord, you're the author of it. Now, Lord, we pray and ask that you'd bless and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read Genesis 1. Um, well, actually, just several verses. I'm going to finish the message tonight. We're just going to do three points there this morning, do about four or five tonight. And and um, so it'll be the rest of the story tonight. But um, Genesis 1. And once again, um, I want you to understand, I'm not, I'm not trying to spiritualize Genesis 1. In other words, it says this, but it means something different. I'm not doing that at all. Uh, this is, a, a, again, literal. It's an exact narrative. It's exactly the truth. It's exactly what happened. But I just want to take some lessons from it, okay? There are years I thought, boy, Genesis 1 ought to have some application I tried to figure it out for years and never could. And then about about a year ago, I just began to see some things. And anyway, I want to share it with you. Okay, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, which is our atmosphere, by the way, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Um, Creation also pictures some valuable truths found throughout the Bible, and uh, as found in Genesis 1. As I read and contemplated Genesis 1, I believe that there's a picture here in the life of the believer. So that's what I want to share with you, this message, and then tonight's message as well. I want you to notice number one here uh, in verse 1 and 2. And it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. It is apparent that and day one, that God not only created light, but God formed or created this sphere that we live on. Now, it was not, it was not in its final form yet, but he, he created, he spoke the, the elements and everything into being. And so 
there, there was a, a solid earth and there was water that covered the earth. And that's, uh, that's how it took place on the first day. But I want you to notice uh, here uh, that it says it was without form and void. And so there was not yet any land masses that appeared and the waters were not put into one place, such as our, the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean and so on. It was not there yet. And at least initially, it was void of light. So initially, now later on in the day, God created light. But initially, we find that that uh, there was a sphere that was void of life. It was void of light. And so uh, I think that's fairly obvious by our text. Now, we're making an application here, and so is man. Man enters the world in spiritual darkness and is void of spiritual understanding from birth and void of righteousness until, by the grace of God, man is born again. Now, I want to give you a lot, uh, quite a few verses uh, concerning this. And as we did in Sunday school, we went through a lot of the Bible and verses. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, You hath a quickened or given life who were dead in trespasses and sins. So until God quickens an individual when they trust Christ as Savior, uh, we understand they are void of righteousness. They are void of the understanding the things of God. They are dead in sins and unrighteousness. John 3, 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. And I think it's important we emphasize the word and there. Except a man be born of water or a physical birth and of the Spirit. And I believe he's emphasizing there that the, the, the second birth is not another physical birth, but it is a spiritual birth. And uh, so... Uh, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. So without the new birth, no one's going to see the kingdom of God. And without that spiritual birth, no one is going to enter the kingdom of God. It is evident since the fall of Adam and Eve that uh, it had a universal effect. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, I'm sure you know the verses. There is none righteous, no, not one. In verse 12, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. And it goes through there uh, talking about uh, all the ways that we've gone out of the way, we're unprofitable, and so on. Ecclesiastes 7.20, there's not a righteous man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And it was apparent early on when we look at Genesis chapter 3 about the fall of Adam and Eve. Uh, you remember that, that immediately they hid from God. Uh, they sowed fig leaves about themselves. They made some attempt to cover their shame and so on uh, concerning their sin. And the, and the guilt tried to cover up somehow. And we know that they hid from God. Of course, that's impossible and we know that blame shifting also started then. <laughs> well, a lot of, we all know how to blame shift, don't we? Uh, and um, boy, listen to the Democrats and Republicans, amen? So we all know how to do that. And, uh, but we find that, of course, Adam, he blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent. And by then, all the other animals had, had run. And so the serpent looked around for someone to blame, and there wasn't anyone else to blame anyway. Well, I don't know. That's a little bit of Stonehouseology, I guess. But... Um, Anyway, we understand the blame game started then, didn't it? 
But we see that man from the very beginning had a sin problem. And we find um, Cain killed Abel. And uh, some years after that, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, the wickedness of man was great, and every imagination and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Wow, that's a pretty dark picture of man, isn't it? David said that sin was present even at his conception in Psalm 51. The psalmist said in Psalm 58, the wicked go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. In Ephesians four seventeen and 18, it talks about the lost having their understanding darkened. They are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, Ye were sometimes darkness, but you remember the verse goes on, but now you're light in the Lord. But before that we got saved, we were darkness or characterized by darkness. Void of life, void of understanding, void of relation with God, and void of righteousness. Romans chapter 1 describes uh, the man who has rejected the knowledge of God. And you remember there, there's a couple of verses on the creation. And then it goes on to say, uh, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination. And so the, the Bible talks about the downward trend of man. There was a time when they knew God, but they rejected the Lord. They glorified him not as God. They were not thankful for the things that God gave them became vain in their imagination and began to worship four-footed beasts and man and birds and all that kind of thing. Boy, it's a down it's a downward slide. It's a dark picture. And it's not because God has not left himself without witness. And it's interesting, you go a little further to about verse 28 in Romans chapter 1, and it says that they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. That was the problem. It wasn't that they could not believe. It wasn't that God did not give them the capacity to believe. It, didn't, it was not because God did not give them light. It's not because God did not reveal himself to them, at least in creation. It's they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Did not like to. A purposeful rejection of God. Um, Light has come into the world, but what? Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. It comes right out of the innermost man. And let me let me read something to you. I know, boy, in the part of the country I'm from, and I guess you are too. This is this is a this is an awful awful uh, verse to read to them because they they believe that they're they're um, actually basically good people. Let me see. Where am I? Mark chapter seven. Mark, Mark seven, and verse. Uh, <clears throat> let me see. Verse. Um, uh, 20 and he or Jesus <clears throat> said that which cometh out of the man that defileth the man for from within out of the heart of men proceedeth evil thoughts adulteries fornications murders thefts covetousness wickedness deceit lasciviousness an evil eye blasphemy pride foolishness all these evil things come from within and defile the man 
Now, those are the words of Christ, that our sin problem comes from deep within. It's not a surface thing. Uh, um, It comes from uh, within. And so no amount of good deeds, money, uh, sacrifices a person uh, can make or, or to give will merit salvation. We understand that salvation comes by the grace of God and through faith in Jesus Christ, period. And uh, adding nothing to that. So as we look at the earth was without form and void for a time there, uh, we understand that it really does picture the state of man in his natural state. How that we come into this life as natural man. We are void of righteousness. We are void of spiritual understanding. We are void of light. We have none. Now, point two. This will be a little bit of a breath of fresh air, I think. I hope. But I want you to notice God's love and mercy demonstrated. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Okay, we just looked at that. And then it says this, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So we understand that the Spirit of God was active, obviously, in creation. And by the way, the Spirit of God's active in all that God does. And we know that uh, it, seems like the, it seems like the mind of the Father is expressed by the Son and worked out by the power of the Holy Spirit, whether it be salvation or creation or whatever God does. It seems, that seems to be the order, at least in my mind. But uh, we find that the Spirit of God moved or uh, it's like he, he hovered over, uh, but he was present there over the waters or the face of the waters. Now, also in verse um, uh, 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And so we understand that God did not leave his initial creation without form and void, but moved upon it to bring about his desire for it. Now, God did not leave himself without a witness. And we, by the way, Paul preached that in Acts chapter 14, that God had not left himself without witness. Um, after the fall of man, the Spirit of God began to move upon the hearts and minds of men and women uh, to bring them to the place of believing God uh, that they might be saved. In fact, in Genesis chapter 6, uh, there's an inference there uh, where it says, My spirit shall not always strive with men. Well, what does that mean? What does that infer? It infers that God was at that time and had been striving uh, with men, right? God said, My spirit shall not always strive with men. There was a time when God would declare judgment and brought the flood upon uh, that, that, those generations then. Uh, but prior to God saying that's enough, the Spirit of God was already working in the hearts and minds of men. And of course, there was constant rejection. But we understand that if a person dies without Jesus Christ, it's not because God has left him without a witness. It's not because of that. Now, um, let me see. Let me give you a verse out of John. I, I quoted part of it here a little earlier. But um, John chapter 3 and verse 19. 
John 3 and verse 19. My goodness here. I know John's still in my Bible. There it is. And it says, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Now, creation itself is a witness. Creation, in fact, we, we alluded to that in Romans chapter 1. And uh, while I'm close here, I'm going to go ahead and read that section of Scripture. Uh, but Romans chapter 1, about verse 18 or so, uh, Romans 1 and uh, verse 18, I think through 20, um, I think I'm... Uh, going to write out my verses after this. Amen. <laughs> the hunt for them there. Um, let me see. Romans 1 and, and verse 20. It says, uh, I'll back up to verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And so a person who uh, has a mind and can look up at night and they can look around during the day, that's enough revelation. The Bible says, not necessarily to be saved, but it is a witness of, the, of a master designer and a creator. When, when you see design, you automatically, you automatically say, well, who made this? Uh, who's the designer? And as we look at the, the intricate design of our world around us, it should cause a person to say, well, I wonder who made all of this. Man, uh, he must be powerful. He must be infinitely wise. Uh, I think that would have to be the reaction. Um, and now I'm going to go back to Psalm 19. And I, I, this is a tremendous um, uh, truth uh, here in Psalm 19. And it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Now, notice heavens is plural. Now, we know by Genesis 1, by the way, that, that our atmosphere, that which separated the waters from above to the waters underneath, that's our atmosphere, and it's called the heaven. Well, that would be the first heaven, wouldn't it? And then we understand they're out, way out there with the stars and the sun and the moon and all that. Is that that's also called a firmament of heaven, and so that would be the second heaven. And of course, the third heaven would be the abode of God, wouldn't it? Um, so, as we look up to the second heaven, as we look around the first heaven, uh, it says they declare the glory of God. The glory of God would be His visible or manifested attributes. Um, uh, they declare His glory. And the firmament, or once again, the atmosphere, showeth His handiwork. And boy, there's a lot of handiwork around, isn't there? And then it says, day unto day utter speech. In other words, it's like those things that we see talk to us. They utter, they utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. And, and so during the daytime, we find that the things that we see in the daytime, uh, it speaks to us. 
of a master designer, someone who's infinitely wise and infinitely detailed. And, oh my, as we think about the creation, it's just an amazing thing. Uh, we think about our body, just our body, in fact, and uh, the amazing thing this machine that God has made for you and I. Uh, I'm not sure if we went through some of that before in another message, but but it's just an amazing thing, the body is. We were, I was talking to someone the other day about how your, just your hormones can get just a little bit out of balance and you're a mess, you know. I mean, that's just, you know... Um, uh, you know, some of the chemicals in the brain can get a little out of whack, and you know, you're a, you're a mess. Um, I understand there are a million strands of the optic nerve that send one billion messages a second to the brain. Good night. Why didn't he just send one strand? I mean, you know, a million strands of the, of the optic nerve sending one billion messages a second? Oh, man, it's just something. As we look around, I look at every one of you. you got a heart that's beating and has been some, time, some of you many years, amen. And, uh, and you know, we, we breathe even when we're sleeping. The heart beats even when we're sleeping. Things take place even when we're sleeping. God put it all together, didn't he? Well, what an amazing thing the body is. And then you look at the body of animals, you look at plant life, and you look at the, all the cycles, the food chain, and the water cycle, and all the things God has put together. It all declares the glory of God. And, and then at night, we look out, and we whoo, man, that's, that is way out there, you know. Uh, the sun is 93 million miles away, I guess, something like that. And I think the moon is 250,000 miles away or something close to that. I don't know, I haven't measured it lately, but, but it's a long ways, isn't it? The nearest star is 4.2 light years away, is that right? 4.2 4. or 3 light years and and that just simply means that light traveling at 186,000 miles per second takes 4.2 years to get from the star to the earth. That's way out there, folks. And that's the nearest star. I understand there's 100 billion galaxies out there, each with about 100 billion stars. And to put that in perspective... If you and I were to count one star per second, it would take 317 trillion years to get them all counted. And God just spoke it into being. On the fourth day, let the sun and the moon and the stars appear. Oh, we go on and on with that. We'll look at some of that tonight. Wow, well, we're all out of time now. One fourth through the message. <laughs> we'll be too long here, I don't think. Okay, Jesus Christ himself is a witness, and his life is a witness or light, isn't it? And I want to go, I want to, go to the book of John. Um, in the book of John, and once again in, in, chapter, in chapter 1, and it makes reference to, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ as the word or the revelation of God. 
And, um, but it says in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And then verse 9, That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus said, He that has seen me has seen the Father, didn't he? Um, in Second Corinthians, let me get this one for you. I don't think I can quote it. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, Second Corinthians four, and um, verse uh, six. It says this: For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is seen in the person of Christ, in the face of Jesus Christ. As the Word of God, He reveals to us the invisible God. Just like our words reveal to others our invisible thoughts. Jesus Christ, His life revealed to man the invisible uh, God. Well... Another uh, witness is, of course, the written word of God. By the way, Psalm 19 goes on in verse 7 and through 11, talking about the word of God. It talks about the statutes and testimonies and the word and the law and so on and so forth there. Um, but we understand that the Bible teaches that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth uh, forever. And so we understand the written word of God gives us light and understanding of the things of God. We understand the law as a schoolmaster brings us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And so... Uh, we are born again by the word of God, again, First Peter and chapter 1. And then the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. In, uh, in John chapter 16 and verse 7, I'm, I'm trying to hurry, folks, honestly. And, um, but uh, this is fun, I hope. I hope you're having fun. I am. And uh, this is all these such wonderful truths. But in chapter 16 of John, verse 7, Jesus said this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. And of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. And we find really the damning sin is not believing on Jesus Christ. We find the Spirit of God also testifies that Jesus Christ is who He said He was, and He did what He said He would do. And then if if the prince of this world, the devil, is judged by Him and by that, so will the followers be. And so the Spirit of God reproves us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He convinces us. He convicts us. He, he shows us our need of Jesus Christ. Now, one more thing. This is the fifth thing in our little list here, and that's the changed lives of believers. The changed lives of believers. Now, I was saved at 27 years old, and so... 
believe me, there was a change in my life. I mean, you know, I lived for, you know, the things that the world lives for for 27 years, and, and, uh, um, and then I got saved, and boy, this... <laughs> And, 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 and I felt almost immediately the call to preach. And boy, that, that was like a big joke to me. I'll tell you, me? <laughs> you got to be kidding. Um, but it happened. <laughs> um, anyway, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 23. My wife said the same thing, by the way. <laughs> um, this, is, this is the testimony of the Apostle Paul. And, he, and it says, But they heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. There's a difference and a, a change in people who get saved. Amen? And, and by the way, if you're saved early and you're living for God, I mean, you're, you're just as big a testimony. Probably a better one. But um, uh, I, I wish I'd have been saved younger but I wasn't. And anyway, we think of, we think of there's all kinds of testimonies of wicked people who were uh, miraculously saved and changed. And you think of John, John Newton who wrote, uh, Just as I am. We understand that, that he was in his earlier life, his uh, adult life, earlier adult life, that he was a slaver. He worked on a slave ship. And, and they took slaves from Africa and took them to the Americas and other parts of the world. And he was by his own admission a very, very wicked man. And he got saved. And, and he wrote, just as I am. Is that right? No, 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 no. That's not it. Um, excuse me. Some of you are looking like you got a puzzle or a question mark on your face there. What's he talking about? Um, come on, someone help me out. Huh? Amazing grace. Yeah, good night. I'm getting old, folks. I have these. I have these little spills now and then, and um, uh, uh, a senior moment. Forgive me, but he wrote "Amazing Grace." How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, the changed life of believers. So God has not left Himself without witness. We think, we think about what we talked about, that the Spirit of God moving on the face of the waters, you know, it was not left without form and void. And we think about the God said, let there be light. God has given light. And He's given light through the creation, through Christ, uh, the written Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the changed lives of believers. And I think we might be able to add a conscience also. One thing we got in the fall that we didn't have before the fall of Adam and Eve was a conscience. Back to let there be light. Light reveals what's in the darkness. You know, uh, my, my, uh, my, I went deer hunt with my son here a couple weeks ago on Saturday, Saturday a couple weeks ago. And um, he wanted to go to a place called Bubble Springs. And I said, well, you know, we've gone to Bubble Springs. That's, that's straight up and down over there. And I'm not sure. If I really want to do that. And he says, well, hey, Dad, we don't have to go in from the bottom, you know, from the road. We'll, we'll get on my four-wheeler and we'll go up to the top. And he says, it's pretty level up there, pretty flat, and, you know, and pretty nice hunt, you know. <laughs> oh, brother. Oh, man, we parked it. He says, Dad, I want to go down here in the canyon. And then and I'm, I'm sitting like this. And, and then I want to go up that other side. And it's a, a pine-covered slope. And, and there's about a foot of snow. And... Uh, 
And then uh, I want to go around here. There's some rocks I want to sit on and watch the other side. And then we'll come around this ridge here and we'll come back on the road. I'm sitting there. Define flat for me, would you? I mean, what, what part of flat don't I understand, you know? And uh, I thought, you know, it's an easy hunt. Good night compared to what? Hellfire? You know, I mean, you know, good night. We, we were both wiped out by the time I got back. But, um, but I... Uh, this one going up this going up this pine covered slope and then back down the other side back down on another part of it later on it was full of deadfall I mean it was really steep there was trees on trees and you know how it is if you've been out in the woods and and there's they're down there's branches sticking up and another tree on it and then a whole bunch of them sometimes in a row and there's a foot of snow on it and you're slipping and sliding and and I thought, man, this would really be something in the dark, you know. It would be. It would really be something. I don't know if you get through it at all. Some place we had to backtrack and go around stuff. And, and, uh, but you know something in the light, it's sure a whole lot easier than in the dark. <laughs> I can't imagine in the dark. Man, you walk through a forest at night with its fallen logs, uneven ground, dead branches uh, that are head high, drop-offs, cliffs, holes that uh, dug in the ground by animals, and a jungle would even be worse. But, you know, in the light, at least you can make your way, you know. <laughs> uh, boy. Uh, and so the Spirit of God, using the Word of God, reveals to man the horrible nature of sin the awful the awful end of sin what sin is what righteousness is and the wonderful benefits of it and of course how a man can be righteous with god and that is to trust the lord jesus christ as personal savior he is the way the truth and the life isn't he and we have eternal life in jesus christ okay one more thing here and i don't think this will take well, I'm not going to say um, one more thing here. Um, as we go back to Genesis 1 here, um, we find the great separation of the saved from the lost from God's perspective. Uh, in chapter, or chapter 1, verse 4, And God saw the light that it was good, and God, notice the word, divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. So we, we find a little more of that as we go on. But the point is that God made a separation and, uh, and day and night. And they are so different, aren't they? Are day and night different? They are very, very, very different. And waters from the waters, we assume that means the lakes and the oceans and so on that are on the surface of the earth from uh, at least clouds, but it's thought that in the original creation there was a vapor layer all the way around the earth, possibly an ice layer up around the upper atmosphere of our earth, which came down as rain when the flood happened. But, but uh, whatever, we see that he divided, he divided, he divided. And the waters above are not like the waters below. They are different. He divided and separated them. And the seas and the apparent vapor or ice shroud around the earth that is above. 
So, what point is there is a distinction and a separation and a divide. The Bible is very plain concerning the difference between the lost, typified, by the way, by darkness, and the saved, which are typified by light. Ephesians 5 and verse 8 says, Ye were sometimes darkness, or in unbelief, uh, without righteousness, without, without light and understanding, um, without God, but now are ye light in the Lord. There's a great difference between the lost and the saved. As we observe man, there are many times there is little difference. A Christian who's not walking with God won't be observably, at least, a lot different than maybe a lost person who is religious. Uh, It's sad but true that not all who are actually truly saved live for God, and their lives are not much different than the world. And it's also true that Religion, in our day and time, has done a pretty good job of imitating Christianity. So there's not always an obvious distinction, but I want you to know there is a distinction. There is a difference. There is a great divide between the saved and the lost. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? New creature, Right? He is a new creature. There's something new about him. And by the way, that's literally true. This is not just some, it's not some kind of an analogy or, or you know, some kind of an illustration or just another way of saying something. Um, it is literally true that someone who is born again is spiritually alive where they were spiritually dead. Um, in fact, um, I, I'm not completely sure whether when a person is born again, if God uh, at that time creates a spirit within them, or that a spirit that was dead toward God, God just makes it alive toward him. I'm not sure which way that goes exactly. But nevertheless, there's there's a great difference between someone who is spiritually alive and someone who is spiritually dead. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now, we know that all men that come into this life at least live on the level of body and soul. That is, they have a body that can function in this world. We can walk and do things with our hands and so on and so forth. And we have a soul or mind, emotions, and will. Everybody has that that's born of man and woman. Everybody has that much. And we live on that level. But only a born-again believer has a spirit that's alive toward God. And... So, basically, lost man is a dichotomy, and saved man is a trichotomy. I want to, I want to, read, a, I want to read a verse out of 1 Thessalonians here, uh, in chapter 5. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And it says this, "...and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly." Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, in other words, all of you... And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So we find the Bible teaches that we're a trichotomy, that we're body, soul, and spirit. 
The body is sometimes called the world-conscious part of us. Uh, the soul, the self-conscious part of us. And then the spirit, the God-conscious part of us. But we're different than an unsaved person. It's completely different. It's different as night and day. It's different as the waters above from the waters beneath. A new creature in Jesus Christ. There is a difference. Then there's a new relationship. We were in Adam, but now we are in Christ. That's, that's new, isn't it? That's new. There's a big divide there. Uh, in, um, let me see, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 22. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. And, and there it says, For in, in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So if you're, all those who are in Christ shall be made alive. All those who remain in Adam, which we are at our birth, if we remain in Adam, then we are in big, big trouble. They're dying. Um, not only physically, but spiritually. We'll all die spirit, uh, physically, but... But they're dead spiritually and will die forever in hell spiritually. Um, a new relationship. Let me, uh, let me give you another one here, another couple of them. In John chapter, John, are we okay still? I know we're a little over, are we a little over time at a quarter after? Someone, uh, which way? Um, I, I want to quit before you do, so. Um. Uh, in John 17, verse 9, uh, Jesus says this, I pray for them, speaking of his disciples, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Um, I am glorified in them. Mine are thine, thine are mine. And uh, the song says, now I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me. And that's very, very true. We have a new relationship. We're not of the world, uh, although, uh, again, in John 17, uh, not, in the, not of this earth, but of the world. We are strangers and pilgrims in this world. That is where we are foreigners, and, and we are pilgrims or just passing through this world system. We're not of the world. The disciples were, if we're born again, neither are we. Um, uh, it says in, in the book of 1 John, um, where's all those, those pages rustling out there, huh? <laughs> you hear them. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, um, no, but in chapter 3, it says this, Behold, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. A brand new relationship. And then there's a new identity. You know, in the world today, the human race I, see, I, think, I, I think is seen spiritually by the world as, as one group, the, the worst to the best. And, you know, you have the extremely wicked, and then the very wicked, and then the wicked, and then the bad, and then the, you know, not so bad. And then, you know, you get to maybe someone that's in the middle, and then you have someone that's pretty good, and then good, and then wonderful. And they see them as one great big flux, you know. 
uh, with millions of little differences, by the way, uh, from the worst to the best. But that's just not the way it is. God sees us as the, as the righteous and the wicked. That's how God sees us, the righteous and the wicked. The godly and the ungodly. For sake of time, I'll not read it, but Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. In Christ, we have a complete salvation. We're complete in Him, Colossians 2.10. Outside of Christ, there is only judgment. Okay, then fourthly under this, we have a new destiny. A new destiny. You know, we know about uh, the rich man in hell, and he, he obviously was an unbeliever. And uh, by the way, when, when Abraham, Abraham told him uh, um, uh, he, that he couldn't send Lazarus back, he said, no. And that's what the rich man has said. By the way, sometimes we wonder, you know, it doesn't say he's especially wicked. We don't know. Uh, but when he was told of the situation, he said, no, Father Abraham, no, Abraham. Uh, that's what he had done all his life. He had said no to God. That's why he was in hell, by the way. But on the other side of that, we have Revelation 21. Well, there's so, a lot, so much here. And, but God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And that can be good. Um, well, initially he said, I saw a new heaven and earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there's no more sea. He sees the holy city coming down, the new Jerusalem. And wipe away all tears. There will be no more death, sorrow, crying. Neither shall be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Oh, I like that. And he said, He that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said, It is done. It's going to be done one day. And that's where we're going to be, folks, if we're saved. Amen. In his presence forever. Well, I'm going to stop, I guess. I got three more points, but just kind of a summation. As we look at our text here, once again, we have a very literal account of the creation. But we see, as in so many narratives in the Old Testament, we see some spiritual truth or some application. Uh, either to Jesus Christ, and, and I believe in this case, uh, to the life of the believer. Now, we'll look at four more things tonight, okay? I think you like them. But um, I, I, anyway, I don't know what you think of it. And if your pastor listens to the message, I don't know what he'll think of it. But anyway, this is the message that God wanted me to preach this morning. So, so let's pray. Father, we ask and pray, Lord, that you